if building something great was easy, then everyone would do it. No one is coming to do the work for you. It's your job to get yourself to do the things that you don't want to do. You have to put it in the work every single week with every single rep in order for you to have success. You can't be a champion by just thinking about it. This Cutco thing is a lot bigger than just selling knives. I built something way bigger than just winning a silver cup trophy. And that's what I love about this job and just changing people's lives, having an influence on others. And hopefully in a year to come, having a really big district myself. The voice you just heard is Gerardo Luera. In just a little over two years with Cutco Vector, Gerardo has already proven himself in sales, run a successful first branch office, then branched again and won the Silver Cup. And he did this all while going to school and getting married. Gerardo learned from his manager, Will, to bring his best to every individual, and he has created remarkable pound-for-pound success. By running the business the right way, he has had great development and is set up for a bright future as a leader in Vector. I'm proud to introduce to you all today Cutco Vector's 2021 Silver Cup Champion Branch Manager, Gerardo Luera. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. My guest today is Gerardo Luera. And Gerardo was the Silver Cup Champion Branch Manager for Cutco Vector in the summer of 2021, which has just ended. Uh, he's only been with the company for a little over two years, started in the summer of 2019, ran a branch in the summer of 2020, and was number 16 in the company. Did it again this year in Lubbock, Texas, and finished number one in the company. Uh, he is a senior at Oklahoma Christian University, where he studies marketing and management. And I'm really excited to be able to get to know him today and to share his experiences with you through the podcast. So, Gerardo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Dan. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Excellent. Well, I think it'd be great for our audience to hear a little bit about you and your background before Cutco. So, take us back and share a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So... Uh... I think it's uh, really important to, to understand that I, am, I come from a very, very middle-class family. My parents really taught me how to work really hard. My dad does manual labor. He's been doing it all his life. My mom has been at the same job for 21 years ever since I was born. They never had any higher-level education. Um, they didn't live the best life whenever they first got married. 
And their main goal whenever they raised me, my brother, was they just wanted to set me up uh, and set my brother up as well so that they didn't have to live a life or that we didn't have to live a life that they did whenever we, they first you know, started out in the adult world. And so they really just taught me how to work hard. That's where I got my drive. That's where I got my ambition. And I, I owe all, all of it to my parents when it comes to my background. Wow. I admire the sacrifices that your parents probably uh, went through to be able to provide the opportunities that you have now. I understand you're the first in your family to ever go to college, right? Correct. Yes, I'm a first-generation college student. Yeah. How old is your brother? My brother, uh, 16, I think. 16 years old, 17 years old, something like that. (laughs) Okay. So a few years younger than you. Cool. And so then how did you end up uh, finding Cutco? Oh, that's a funny story. So I used to do landscaping with my dad um, just because it was easy. Um, it was just something for extra cash. I didn't really need the money, just wanted the money for, you know, hanging out with friends on the weekend and whatnot. But after my first year of college, I decided that, hey, I need a lot more money than just extra cash to pay off college, pay off loans, um, to do things I want to do in my life, to set myself up successfully for my future and whatever it is I'm going to do. And I also, I just really want to start my own business. That was, that was one of the, my main ambitions, my main goals to do was to start my own business. And I remember getting a text my freshman year, um, my second semester freshman year of college, and it was just an, a text from just some random receptionist saying, hey, blah, blah, recommend me to the job. And uh, I texted my friend and I was like, hey, is this legit? And he said, yes, it's legit. And I said, what is it? And he said, hey, you sell knives. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Thanks. And you know that happened three more times. And I was like, no, I'm good. Trust me. I I respect you, but I really just don't want to do that. That's not for me. Then one time, one day, I was scrolling through social media. I was like on Snapchat or Instagram. I don't remember what it was, but it was just uh, a picture of his check or his coworkers' checks, whatever it was on the wall of the office. And I mean, it was like a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, six thousand dollar checks. And the memo wasn't three months, two months, one month. And the memo wasn't even two weeks. Some of them were three days. Some of them were a whole entire week. And I said, I automatically slipped. I said, hey, dude, what the heck are you doing? And because my motivation, my main motivation at this time was just, I was just very money motivated. And he just left me on red. And I was like, great, that's fantastic. And uh, he, I ended up getting a call from his name, Dakota Hernandez. And he called me. He was like, oh, so now you see the money and now you want to be part of this job? And I just kind of freaked out. I'm like, what is, he, what is he talking about? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's that knife job? And he just starts laughing. He says, yes. And I said, okay, well, yeah, I do want to be a part of that. And he sent me the application. I applied and uh, the rest is history. Wow. So multiple texts uh, didn't get your attention yet. But then uh, when you saw some social media posts, you thought, hey, I I definitely need to check this out. And uh, that got you to come in. That's pretty cool. So this is in Lubbock, where you're from, right? Correct. Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. And tell us about uh, some of the first experiences you had that summer selling. Yeah. So I sold $12,000 my first 10 days on the job. I was really nervous in my training because I didn't think I could do it. I did, I've never done sales in my, in my life. My, my, uh, my major is marketing and management, but I told myself I'd never be in sales. And uh, my first job is in sales. And so I just <laughs> thought it was pretty ironic. And so I just, again, my parents really taught me how to work really hard and whatever, whatever it is I'm doing to go all out and to just, just try really hard. And it doesn't matter if you fail or if you succeed. All that matters is you tried really hard. And so I did that for my first 10 days, sold 12 grand, made over $2,000 the first 10 days. And I said, holy cow, 
I almost made as much money as I did the whole entire summer last year and 10 days. And so I really went, I went hard for the rest of summer. I learned my 10K fast start that it's all about prep and it's all about hard work. The harder you work, the more you reap. Then as summer went on, I fell in office rankings. I ended up being first, um, like the first middle of May uh, in my office. And then I started to fall the ladder, fell down the ladder and I struggled in my first SE1 and I barely sold 10K. And then I learned about the importance of consistency um, during that time. I was scared of SE2 because uh, I the lack of leads that I had. And I ended up getting about 80 plus leads from my father, now father-in-law which now taught me that the, the importance of seeking for help, then it's okay to ask for help, which helped me in branch as well and helped me, helps me in life currently as well. So yeah, those are some, a, lot, a lot of lessons and experiences that I've learned in my, in, my, in my whole entire summer. I can tell that you're a big thinker just through listening to the way you describe some things like, you know, I barely sold 10K for SC1. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I mean, 10K, that's a, that's a great, a great result even though you were a 12k fast starter before that that's still an admirable result and i like the point you made about being willing to ask for help because i think that everybody who's new at anything experiences some natural ups and downs and you have to be willing to use the support of people around you you can't feel like that you should just power through it on your own vector attracts a lot of people who have been really good at what they've done in their life and they many of them have the mentality that this is going to be another one of those things that I'm just a natural at. And for some people that happens, but for most, it doesn't. It takes a lot of learning. It takes a lot of improvement and it takes a lot of support and help from others. And so it's cool that you had uh, some some people around you that could give you that help and support uh, to help make sure you were successful. Yeah. I had to give a shout out to Will Chido because he, uh, I mean, I asked him too many questions. I, I asked him question after question every day how do I do this? Is it better to do that? Because I just want to know, I just, I just want to be perfect. And I, and I now know there's no, no such thing. And that's where I think my, my heart replaces that. And that's why I always give a shout out to Will, because if it wasn't for him, my district manager back, back then, then I don't know, I don't think I'd be here right now. Yeah. Boy, I'll tell you, most of us in Vector could say exactly what you just said, that if it wasn't for one single person, we wouldn't be where we are now. And there's, uh, for many of us, there's that one person that had that incredible impact on us. For you, it was Will. For me, I can certainly look at my original district manager, but more so I would even look at my original division manager as the one that, that uh, took me under his wing and helped make sure that I got to where I could, I could be. So it's mm-hmm. cool. What made you decide to be a branch manager in, in the summer of 2020? To be honest with you, I just went with the flow. I really just trust the process. And I really trust Stacey Campbell and my district manager, Will. I've always wanted to have my own business. And I, I thought it was a great start for that path for me because I, I knew they gave me the, the tools that I needed to become successful. Uh, it was just myself that was really just holding me back. But uh, I went with it. I went with the flow. I'm that kind of person who just... You, you put me in something and you'll get my all. And so that was... That's what made me decide to become a branch manager my first year. Okay. And you went to Wichita Falls? Yes, Wichita Falls. Okay. So tell us about that summer experience. What was it like? Man, it was a mix of a lot of things. First was COVID. Uh, we weren't prepping for that at all. Switching to virtual and relearning a lot of different things. Uh, I was raised in an in-person, all in-person, interviews in-person, 
literally nothing. Zoom wasn't even a thing back then in the offices. And now I had to buy Zoom. Like, gosh, dang it, $14 a month, I'm broke. Um, <laughs> and so I, I just learned a ton of new things right off the bat and tons of ups and downs. I was really nervous to start because I didn't have tons of confidence in myself. But then the first training class I ran, we had our first $10,000 new business week. And I was like, holy cow, that like this actually works. I just have to just commit to the actions and you know things happen. But that wasn't the best thing that happened that week specifically. I remember that week specifically, I had, I had a rep who just launched and wanted to quit the second day and on the job because he didn't think it was really for him. I ended up telling him, just try it out for 10 days, just think a fast start. And if he doesn't think it's going to be for him at that point still then he can make his choice. So he ended up agreeing. This was all over the phone. Uh, he ended up agreeing and sold $12,000 in his 10K fast store as well. And he ended up being my top rep for the summer, sold $42,000 and wow. he was all American. So getting that confidence and, and realizing that it's all about putting belief into reps, putting belief into people, just like how Will, just like how Stacy and my parents as well, put belief into me running a branch and going out during a year where all these businesses were failing and stuff like that. That's what helped me get through my summer. And that's what helped uh, me get my confidence. And so I just did the same thing for, for my reps as well. Wow. So you had a $42,000 sales rep in your first summer as a manager, as a branch. Correct. That's incredible. Wow. And, and I know you did uh, 212000 overall. And you did that on 37 recruits. We're definitely going to dig into your productivity per rep keys because that was a theme of this past summer as well. When you got to the end of the summer as a branch, did you feel like you wanted to do it again? I definitely needed a break because it was definitely a tough summer just because of the fact that I never ran a branch, never ran a business before. I kind of used to always go off of my schedule, working for my dad, um, working as a sales rep, um, having the flexibility of a rep. I didn't really have to work as hard uh, but being a manager, now you're responsible for a lot of different people. And so I just never had that. I was just never in that spot with all those people in mind. Like, hey, what are they doing? What are they doing? What do I have to do to get them going? And so I just needed a piece, a time of peace. And so I, I ended up being a sales manager after branching uh, for Will. And through that, I ended up being an MIT program all over again. And I just realized how much of a difference I made in different, in different people's lives. And that's what it was about, changing people's lives. Not with the money. Whenever I first started the job, I was like, hey, like this is a good job for money. Um, it's going to help me pay off loans, help me do whatever it is, help me you know, start allocating assets, whatever it is I want to do in my future, help me have success. But then I started to realize that it's a, it's a bigger picture than just you know, financial income. It's, it's more about helping people. And whenever you help people, whenever you help ch- you know, change people's lives, all of it comes. It, it just comes naturally. And you don't have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about any of those things anymore. You just get to enjoy the fulfillment that, hey, I got to change that person's life. Once I was done branching, I had two reps become uh, managers the next year. I had a district manager who took over the Wichita Fall office. And I had, a brand, I had a, another rep who went to Brownwood, Texas, and he ran a branch this this year. And I just thought that was really awesome. I just wanted to continue to lead them and continue to help them grow in uh, whatever aspect it was. So that's what made me, that's what really drove me like, hey, I'm going to be a branch again, but I'm going to do a lot better. And, and hopefully I'm going to get a bigger territory um, so I can impact a lot more people's lives than just what I did in Wichita Falls, which was 37, 36, whatever that was. Yeah. 
Wow. So, so this period with Will, working back with Will, is when the whole concept of changing lives and sort of the big picture of what we do uh, really set in for you? Yeah. I realized like, hey, I kind of, I kind of miss being a manager whenever I was a sales manager. Cause I was like, I want to, I want to be running these team meetings. I want to be, you know, running these trainings. Cause I, I enjoyed that. I genuinely enjoyed that. I thought it was fun. And then being in the MIT program was when it really hit because uh, I saw these new faces and some of the faces were, you know, my reps. And I was like, just really proud and uh, of them, not of me, but of them. And I was like, I, I just want to keep doing that over and over again. And I want to grow something really special. And uh, I just just gave me a drive to become a manager all over again, do a branch second year. Yeah. And you had, from your very first branch summer, a person who became a DM the following summer and somebody else who branched the following summer. That's incredible, Gerardo. The old president of Vector West, when I was a, a new person in the business, used to always say development is a byproduct of running the business right. And that when you just do things right, development happens. And for you to have had two people like that come out of that first summer to run their own offices one year later, man, that says a lot about you and the way that you operate. So congratulations on that. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. So you went through this eight months or so working back with Will, and then you had the chance to branch again in 2021. You did get the opportunity to go to a bigger territory, and it turned out to be your home area. So you went to Lubbock to be able to be a a, a branch this summer. Um, Take us through the experience of the summer of 2021. What was it like starting out and building and ultimately winning that silver cup? Yeah. So the mentality going into summer of 2021 was bigger territory, more opportunity. But we were actually currently doing worse than the last year in Wichita Falls. At the point in time, um, at the very beginning of May, I was anxious to get started. I had a late start. I was more than $60,000 behind number one, which I had to shout out Caitlin. Um, Caitlin is actually was number one for, I don't even know how long, half of the summer, three-fourths of the summer. She's in my division as well. She ran the Tyler office. And uh, I mean- This is Caitlin, Caitlin Solomon, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. She She was kicking tail. She was doing fantastic. Her whole entire team was doing great. And I was just, I wasn't in Lubbock at this time. And I was just really anxious to get back to work. I think in the middle of, of May 14th, 16th, I think we were 12th or 13th in the whole entire nation. And I was like, okay, I, I still have time, but man, $6,000 behind, that's, that's kind of tough. And so um, I got back my first training class. We had a 10K fast start after that. And so momentum started right then and there. That next week, we had like 300 plus applications. But for some reason, I just could not get, you know, a big training class. My, my biggest training class this past summer was 12. I grew frustrated at times because my mentality, again, this whole entire time was to win specifically was by having the biggest team. But my DM, Will, always just told me to work with who I have and make them great, to go and create leaders and stop worrying about what I cannot control. And I finally just, you know, he kept telling me that last year as well. I mean, I only launched 37 people last year. Um, and so he, he always just told me like, hey, just don't worry about anyone else. Worry about what you can control. Look at the people who you have and just really work with them and make them great. So I did just that. Um, we ended up having a $77,000 SC1 
Um, we were number, the number one new office and number two overall office right behind our pilot office, Stacy Campbell's office. Um, we had a we had a streak of like six or seven weeks in a row being number one in the nation in the branch category. I think we were second by that time in SC1 right behind Caitlin. And uh, we had like about $20,000 in order to pass her. And uh, I was getting nervous because I was like, the only thing we have left is SC2 in August. That's pretty much all we have left. And uh, we went on during the summer and we had three $40,000 back-to-back weeks in SC2. And our team did $137,000 for SC2. We were the number one office in our whole entire division, beating Stacy's, which I thought it was crazy. I mean, as a branch, I was like, there's no way we just did that. And it's just awesome to see my team grow. And I shout out my team big time because they challenged themselves. I had a team of, I think our alliance was eight or nine people. And, you know, some of them went above and beyond. They worked literally all day long. Every single morning, got there at seven in the morning in the office, ready to go, uh, ready to, to learn more. And, you know, also ready to get on the phones, book their schedules every single Sunday. We booked like 150 plus demos every single Sunday, ready to go making sure everyone has, you know, the right amount of leads uh, for every single all-day call day. They were bought into the vision sometimes more than me, and that's what encouraged me for the summer. And I uh, also want to shout out not just Caitlin, but Jack, who really just encouraged me to do better just because of the fact that um, I was kind of scared of competition, and I was like, okay, we got we to gotta just blow them out the water. And uh, we have to not just win by $20,000, but let's just get a 50 plus thousand dollar lead. And we ended up getting a $60,000 lead by the end of SC2. And that's whenever we knew, you know, we didn't know that we won at that point, but we knew that we had, you know, we were pretty confident and we just used that momentum to finish out summer strong. Mm. Wow. So from a 60 K deficit to a 60 K victory or more, that's a pretty cool story right there. I love it. When I branched, we were $66,000 behind at the end of June. Um, and we had to come from behind also, but we did not win by 60,000, Gerardo. We won by $12 at the end of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had a heart attack at the end. <laughs> it was a heart attack like for me for a few days waiting for the tabs for sure. And you, I hear you got married at the beginning of the summer too, right? Yes. That's why I had such a late start is because I was on my honeymoon the whole entire time. <laughs> when was that? So I got married May 16th and we had our honeymoon for two or for um, the next week, the whole entire next week. So I was out pretty the, two weeks before that I moved from school to Lubbock. And then the week between that and my wedding, I was just, you know, moving into my office and also moving into my apartment to move in with my now wife. And so I was busy the whole entire week getting ready for the wedding. And so another shout out to Will, cause he ran like three of my trainings at the very beginning of summer just to help me out because I was just so stressed out from getting married, but also being really anxious because I feel like I had all these standards on me. I have to reach this number. I gave a number of $400,000 to reach for myself this summer. I mean, obviously we didn't reach that, but there was no way, again, seeing the the $60,000 deficit at the end of my honeymoon, I was just kind of not devastated, but I was just really anxious. And I was like, there's no way that I'm gonna hit 400 grand but I am going to you know, work my hardest because that's what you get from me is that you'll get my hardest and you'll get my best. And that's what my whole entire team ended up being like. So yeah, got married and May 16th. Crazy, crazy. So that this is great 
inspiration, I think, for anybody that gets a late start in the summer or particularly like most of the West Coast branches, they don't even start till the end of May or beginning of June anyway, because schools don't get out out here till later than most other places. And so it's not about that month of May necessarily in winning the branch Silver Cup race. It's about how big you can peak and how long you can sustain that peak. And you pushed it up to some really big weeks in the middle of summer and held it there all the way through SC1 to SC2. And that, uh, that helped you to go from that deficit into that lead. I want to dig into a little bit about your productivity per rep because your statistics are incredible. Summer of 2020, 37 reps and you sold 212 grand. Summer of 2021, 48 recruits and you sold 291,000. Now, let me first ask you this to, to make this clear to the audience. How much business did you get from returners from the previous summer that you brought with you? Oh, none. No, no business. None. None. So all of that 291 came from those 48 recruits. Correct. Or if you're all, maybe your own personal sales might have been a little bit. Yeah, I sold like four grand. Yeah, but you didn't have any assistant managers you imported or anything like that that contributed to that 291. 48 reps sold that 291. So that's incredible, Gerardo. And so that's two consecutive summers that you have had truly outstanding productivity per rep. How do you do that? Like, what are some of the keys to you getting such great productivity per person? Yeah, I, I think it just starts with caring for your people. I wouldn't have the PPR I have right now if it wasn't for everything that Will taught me as a, as a rep and as a assistant manager and as a first year BM. He really taught me that money is just the subproduct that you get from from what you do with your intentions, your primary intentions. And if you're not caring for your people, then you're doing it all wrong. It really just starts in training. You know, get to really know your reps and your future reps. You never know who's going to be the next Kyle Loves. You never know who's going to be the next Drew Frank. I think what so many people can get wrong these days is that you know they have a really solid team producing really high solid numbers. And so they don't really care as much for getting a, you know, a really solid in their current training class because they already have a whole team of them already. If that's mentality, then you aren't really thinking them of, of who they are for who they are anymore. You're just kind of skewing the mindset of let's just think of them as a number now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you start pro- start having problems with your, your team culture. And, and that's where you start having problems with your PPR. Also, just really just set them up for success. It's as simple as that. You can't expect a new rep to be producing $5,000 every single week. You have to put it in the work as their manager every single week with every single rep in order for you to have success with them having success. As soon as you get lazy, guess who else gets lazy? Just do the work, do the PDI, go the extra mile, get to know your reps. I'm not talking about asking them how many demos you have ahead of you. Ask about their school life. Are they in social clubs? Are they in sports? Is everything at home okay? Those type of conversations will help them realize that they are important to you. That's whenever your team will start buying into your office vision. Then all of a sudden, your team starts asking you, uh, what can they do to help the team? What can I do to help run the office? That's whenever you know you built the right team. Um, Then it all circles around and you do it all over again and you start building again. But this time you have influence in the office, the the, the reps that you worked really hard for in the office to help your new reps reach those higher numbers as well. I love what you shared there about uh, really digging in to get to know people, right? Like not thinking of just the numbers that you have on your team, but that each of those people that you have in training is an individual that you can 
work with and develop. Um, I've always used the uh, example for people of like, if your little brother was in your training class, right? How much effort would you put into helping that person succeed? One of your younger siblings came onto your team, right? How much effort would you put into helping that person succeed? And how can we think about doing that for every person on our team? All right. I know we only have a finite amount of time, right? But through leveraging group events, through making sure we bring our best to everything we do, giving people the right amount of attention, particularly when they're beginning to produce, how can we bring that energy to every single person? And that's to me is like the magic secret to getting four or five, 6,000 productivity per rep as you've been able to do, right? Is that individual approach helping each single person to do really well. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember in, during the summer, I, I'd spend like, I don't know, two hours, maybe too much time, but it was worth it, obviously, just hanging out in the office with my reps and just talking about life and talking about different things and putting work to a side for a second and just, you know, just really spend time with them because that's, that's who I've been with all day long. If you just worry about work 24-7, then they're kind of going to get tired of it. Really just build a connection, start to build a family, start to build the right culture. And once that happens, then, you know, you're just going to see everything happen magically of, hey, I don't, I'm, I'm not the only one building culture with the new reps. It's my, my AM staff, my key staff, whoever it is, who's also building the right culture, who's helping me get the great PPR. And it's not all just me. It's now my team as well. Yeah. I'm curious to, uh, if you could break down how you leveraged Zoom versus in-person in your organization this summer. Yeah. That's a great question. I know a lot of offices in, in the nation is like fully virtual, stuff like that. But I was pretty much 90% in person and 10% online. I don't like Zoom that much. I'm really tired of Zoom being a student. I just, I don't really learn that well. And if I don't learn that well, then how am I going to teach other people what they need to know to be successful if I'm the person who doesn't even learn that well over online? If someone was sick or someone wasn't comfortable being in person, then I would just go ahead and offer the option like, hey, you can work from home if you really want to. But, you know, during my interviews, if I, if I hired someone, I just told them like, hey, yeah, the office is this address and uh, I'll see you in training. The in-person was the normal thing. All the interviews were online because it was just easier that way. It was more efficient that way. But everything else, phone jams, workshops, team meetings, everything, you name it, and conferences. I love our division because of the fact that we did everything in person. And I think that's, I think it impacted our reps a lot more than just having things online because everything else is online. It's not very special. And so you had that in, we had that in-person involvement with all of, all the reps and uh, it's just really cool to see. And it's a lot more fun as well. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate hearing that Gerardo. I think that, uh, you know, as the company moves into the years ahead, we're going to try to find what is the sweet spot between yeah. in-person and virtual. And there are obviously advantages to some of the virtual things that we're doing in terms of the reach and accessibility and efficiency and, and those sorts of things. But you can't replace the fact that we're a people business yeah. and that in-person activity has to be a major part of what we do. Maybe it won't settle on 90-10 for most of the rest of the company down the road, uh, but it's certainly not going to be 10-90. Yeah. either down the road as it has been here, uh, you know, during at least during 2020 and for part of 2021. So I appreciate hearing that you guys are, are pioneering these back to the old school ways of, uh, of doing things. So that's great. 
You mentioned a concept uh, in talking about productivity per rep about setting people up for success. How does that look in terms of the attention you provide people after training, throughout the first weekend, during the fast start? Like, what is it like to be a rep on your team during the, the first 10 days and the contact they have with you? Yeah, I, it, it took some adjustment for my wife to get used to this, uh, just because of the fact that, I mean, there was reps calling me all the time, all the time. And whenever they don't call me after demo, during demo, before demo, whatever it is, I call them because I just want to set the standard of like, hey, it's okay to ask questions. Hey, it's okay to, you know, call me like, hey, do I do this right? Am I doing this the right way? How do I do this? What's the best deal I can give them? Because I was the exact same way. You know, I wasn't the best rep, but I was a successful rep. I sold almost $40,000 for a summer. I sold 10K in every single contest, over 10K in every single contest. And the only reason why I, I continued to grow was because I kept asking the questions of how to get better. I get a lot of calls. I get a lot of texts, but I'm, I'm constantly on my phone. And it's, it's a huge investment of my time, but it's also a great return of investment as well because they end up being way better reps. They, their attention is so much better. They stick. They love the job. They have success in the job. They have, you know, they sell you know, the minimum, if they don't sell a thousand dollars, I did something wrong that weekend. And, you know, some of them on average, and I don't know what PPR was, I forget what you said, but it, on average, at least $3,000 every single weekend. And I think we had five 10K fast starters this past summer. And so that that's just a huge thing for me as well is, hey, this works. Just do exactly what that rep did. And I'll tell you what this rep did. They were in contact with me the whole entire 10K fast start. I just tell them like, hey, you're my best friend. Congratulations. My name is Gerardo. Let's get close. Let's get to know each other. And uh, and we end up being really close at the very end too. So that's also a big plus. Yeah. I, I mean, I love how you're digging in with your people, Gerardo. I, I know that it, it takes a commitment over the first weekend to be able to do that. It's a lot of time on the phone. It turns into a seven-day work week. And I'll tell you what, I did that when I was a branch manager. Being a branch manager is a sprint, yeah. right? It's, it's supposed to be hard. And, and I would also add that I did that as a new district manager for at least a couple of years until I be, began to have the kind of development where I didn't have to do that. And then even after I had that kind of development, I still did what you just described for at least five or six or seven or eight training classes every summer in the peak period of time where we were launching big groups. So make no bones about it. To be successful as a manager in this business, it requires some degree of hard work. It requires a, a willingness to be able to do that. And I don't want you to have to do that forever. And I don't think Stacy does either as your division manager, right? We want you to have the kind of development where in future years, you've got two or three great assistant managers who you can assign your training class to over that first weekend where they can coach those reps over that first weekend and you can be coaching those two or three great assistant managers to be able to you know handle the reps and work with them and then you'll see the reps again at advanced training 1 and you get right back on it that following week and that's sort of the way I think things work for most people who in the long term become great district managers 
so that you're not doing everything all the time forever. But that willingness to do that in the early stages, that's critical. And that's a part of being a great branch manager for sure. And it's a part of being a great new district manager for the first one or two years as well, is that just that willingness to help set the right foundation for all of your people so that you end up having great people. Because without that, you end up never having that great development. And then you're, you're constantly spinning your wheels uh, if you don't have that great development. So you did things really well here in these two summers as a manager to have this 6,000 average per rep. Uh, really incredible. So great work. Thank you. Yeah. You also mentioned that uh, what happens ultimately is that people start asking, hey, how can I help? How can I be a part of the leadership team? And that's that's a whole nother side of development that clearly you've gotten right and been able to do some great work on. So I don't know if you have any anything to add on this, but uh, if you do, feel free. I yeah. The, well, this has, this didn't really happen my first year as a branch, but my second year, I guess something clicked with me. I did things better being a second branch, but second year branch. I just remember one day I was seeing the office and there was a rep waiting to have a demo. And I think they had like 30 minutes to their demo. And I'm, I'm just like you said, you know, being a branch is sprint. You, you have 90 days to, to, to reach your goal, 90 days to, you know, have the success, create success for others, you know, grow a really special team, really special business to win a championship, whatever your goal is for that summer. And I'm just usually, I'm so used to being the only one, you know, doing the main actions, running the interviews, running the trainings, recruiting, especially my first year, my second year, I, I really tried to build a system and I had, you know, recruiters, I had uh, paid, I paid receptionists to do these kind of things. And um, I didn't really have to do that anymore as much anyways, but I was sitting down, uh, ready to do my interview and um, my rep was waiting to do his, his demo. And he was just like, Hey, is there anything that you need from me in the office? What can I do? And um, I kind of just set my phone down. I looked at him and I was like, wait, what? Like, that's a thing. Like, I just never, I never really realized that concept. Like, holy cow, that's the first time I've ever gotten asked that question. You're an assistant manager is what you are. And uh, I had an epiphany, like, okay, let me, let me actually use this and put them to work. So I taught them how to do recruiting and calling for, for interviews. And so that while I'm in an interview, they're putting people in more interviews. So that's just, the business is always running. But yeah, I thought that the first time I had that question was something awesome. was, was amazing. And now I have AMs to this day who keep asking me like, Hey, what's the next I can run an interview? What's the next I can run an interview? And that's what I love. And that's when I'm like, Holy cow, I built something way bigger than just winning a silver cup trophy. And that's what I, that's what I love about this job and just changing people's lives and having, you know, having the influence on others and hopefully in a year to come having a really big district myself. Yeah. Excellent. I love hearing that. What, what advice would you have for aspiring branch managers or for any leaders who want to build something great just do that's that's my advice just do no one is coming to do the work for you no one no one is coming to turn the tv off for you no one is going to wake you up in the at the time you're supposed to no one is going to tell you to go exercise it's your job to get yourself to do the things that you don't want to do if building something great was easy then everyone would do it it's not easy i didn't have an easy summer um, I had to balance a lot of different things. The balance of having a wife for my first three months of, my, of, of being a branch. And that, that was something that was really hard for, you know, for me to figure out. But I did because I wanted to figure out. I need to figure that out because I wanted something really special in Lubbock. 
but I also wanted to be the best husband as possible. My first couple of months, you know, being a husband, uh, I love my division, the Lone Star division, because of the the leaders that are in it. You know, Lone Star is pure hard work and grit. Stacy Campbell teaches us to stay hungry, humble, and smart. If you heard his podcast, Damien teaches us how to quit being a little B word, but for now we're going to say baby, quit being a little baby. But um, <laughs> Will also reminds me how good life is and how to take nothing for granted. And I want to teach others to, to just freaking do. You know, a lot of people just overthink all the actions. Like, what should I do about this? What should I do about that? Just do. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. Just do. Don't quit complaining, quit overthinking and, and, and just do. The majority of the answers that you're asking of, what if I did that, but I don't really have to do this. You know, whatever excuse you have gets answered by just simply doing. You can't be a champion by just thinking about it. Yeah. Awesome. Great advice. What does the future hold for you? Uh, that's, uh, that's the golden question, isn't it? To grow. That, that's, my, that's my main answer is just to grow. If I end up going district, which I'm most likely 99.9% am next year in January to grow, to grow the MITs I have now. I have five or six MITs right now to allow them to do something really special with their you know, first year being a branch, maybe going district, whatever it is, to get them a trophy, to get them multiple trophies, to have them compete with each other for in, in a national competition. That'd be amazing. And to also have the best district around to beat Damian Scott. And, uh, you know, he's second right now, I believe in the district race and to, to just, to just grow something really special. And to, I have a lot of dreams and a lot of goals outside of Cutco as well to be a good husband and pay attention to my wife finally for a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, to also start building my, my assets, you know, outside my, my goal is to, my dream job is to own my own exotic car dealership. I love cars. I love, you know, those, you know, those nice luxury cars. And so that's my dream job. So one day get there, but this Cutco thing is, is a lot bigger than just, you know, selling knives. So I love what I'm doing now. And I, and I really just want to grow and see, see what I can build. That's my favorite thing. It's just the build. And that's my future holds for me from what I know right now. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, you're doing great work. The development that you're going to have uh, on an ongoing basis, because you are running the business right, as we talked about before, uh, is going to be powerful. And it's going to enable you to have the kind of lifestyle you want. It's going to enable you to set a schedule that your wife is fired up about. And it's going to enable you to have all kinds of other opportunities in life that uh, most people don't have, and particularly at such a young age. And so I hope you take on the district manager opportunity. I'll be, I'll be happy to welcome you on to the DM team here and look forward to seeing some great results for you in the future. Uh, when are you going to get your silver cup? YB, I guess, I hope, uh, wherever that's going to be, but yeah, YB. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See in the Western region, our end of summer conference is so late. It's in late, you know, mid to late September. Um, and so we're oftentimes we're able to get the cup in time if a branch manager wins it. But I know you guys have already had all your yeah. summer events. And so your next big one is, uh, is January. So you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait a while to get your hands on that thing. But uh, you're, it's going to be great when you get your hands on that thing. And it's going to be an awesome, awesome uh, reminder of all the work you've put in and, and uh, all the great things you've done. So congratulations on your success, Gerardo. And uh, thanks very much for being part of the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right. All right, everybody. That was Gerardo Luera, Branch Silver Cup Champion. Just do. Those words resonate for me from this conversation. 
I think about Gerardo getting into the job and going out and having a 12K fast start right out of the gate. He took action and dove in, being willing to branch in his second summer, which takes some courage and uh, some ambition. And he was willing to do that, to take on that challenge, going to Wichita Falls for that branch experience and doing well. And then, of course, the second summer, Gerardo could have said, oh, you know, I have school in person in Oklahoma in another state. He could have said, oh, I'm getting married. So uh, clearly I can't do it this summer. Those were excuses that other people would definitely have used. Gerardo decided instead to just do, put a lot of work in to be able to come from behind. Uh, Gerardo shouted out to Caitlin Solomon for the great work that she did leading the way in the branch race. During those early stages, Caitlin ended up finishing number three in the nation. Just want to shout out to the other members of the top five because there were some really standout performances here. Elliot James in Stillwater, number five. Zach Molzer in Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska, number four. Jack Ryan in Fargo, number two in the nation along with Caitlin Solomon at number three. Nice job right there by all of you guys in the top five. I even see some Campbells in the top 20 in the nation here. Garrett Campbell at number 18 and Spencer Campbell at number 10. (laughs) And I know that Ethan Campbell is the number two new district manager in the company so far for this year. And that race continues till the end of December. So looks like the Campbell bloodlines are strong in the Lone Star division in the vector business. Pretty cool to see that. Love that Gerardo really had the concept of changing lives in his mind that what we do at Vector is so much bigger than just selling Cutco. He took the time to get to know people, really invested in those relationships in the early stages, set people up for success, discussed personal things with his people, gave them a piece of his time, really put in the effort to help people succeed. Listen, if you are a branch manager or aspiring branch manager listening to this podcast today, I really want to recommend three other episodes to you. Episode number 139 is uh, summer of 2020 Silver Cup champion Kyle Lopes, one of the greatest branch performances we've ever seen. Summer of 19, champion Colton Horn was episode number 37. Check that one out. And I also really would love to recommend to you to check out episode 15 of the podcast, one of the very early episodes where I share my story of my branch experience and how to build a great team culture. Check that one out as well. And you'll get a lot out of those episodes. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today, everybody. Hope you enjoyed getting to know Gerardo. Uh, Look forward to catching you again in the next episode. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, 
visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. Thank you.